Once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. Not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WHUTs after further review. After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. love that music don't you love it frank of course i do it's the best saturday of the year final four saturday well not only that it's the best saturday of the year but it's also just in general the good music you know it's final four time i mean the first weekend of the tournaments the play-in games or even on a thursday afternoon this year was i think it was pushed back to friday i think or saturday where you skip work or you play hooky or whatever (laughs) to go watch some of the noon games and you hear this music Oh yeah, and you know that basketball season is starting to get maddening with a lot of on the line, and also this music reminds me that the weather is changing because we're going from winter to spring. Absolutely, and with spring coming, that means baseball season gets going for me on Tuesday. Oh, nice! Well, Got my first well, game, first game of the year, and it's supposed to be in the seventies. But uh, there's also a four-letter word that starts with an R that I'm not going to say on the air because I don't want it to happen. Rain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't know if it was snow or rain. Oh no! Oh well, I man. But well, then uh-huh. again, seventy-degree weather. But you never know around in these parts, though. You could, they could say. Uh, I told my buddy uh, Mo that um, we're going to get at least one more snow, at least one more. We always get one in April. I don't want to jinx it, but, you know, that's how it is. I remember one year, I can, I'll, I'll really remember this. This was back in 07. The l- last two weekends of April were crazy. The first weekend, we ended up getting a snowstorm. We got about four or five inches. The next weekend, exactly a week later, it was 75 degrees outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was... That would have been the week, and I was heading down to Florida my senior year. Oh, really? You yeah, graduated in 07, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it was the day before. It was kind of kind of, that weekend. It was kind of snowy and cold, and then we headed down. And then we, that Sunday, I was headed down to Florida. Mm-hmm. Nice sunny Florida. So we're listen, listening to this music. Let's talk a little bit about the final four. We'll talk about both men and women's. Which one do you want to start off with first? Are you you want to start with the Michigan hate and get it out of the way? Or well, it's okay. We're going to talk about what's happened leading up to, to the final four. Yeah. So okay. Let's, start on the men's side. Yeah. Okay, here we go. So we'll play. We'll look at who's there. Let's mm, first start. Okay. Let's actually first start. Off, okay. Anyway, surprise that. Um, Gonzaga is still undefeated. I'm yes. not. Uh, that's hard to do to stay undefeated the whole season. The last team that's done that is was Indiana in 76. 76. But there's other teams that have been able to almost do it. UNLV in 91 lost in the semifinals. Of the yeah, Final with Four. The, coached by Tark the Shark. By the way, actually, uh, on Friday was the anniversary, the 30-year anniversary of Duke winning its first national championship. Under Krzyzewski. Also, who coached the other team? Actually, it was two days ago. It was on Thursday, actually. Who coached that Kansas team? Who is Roy Williams? Exactly. 30 years afterwards, he announced his retirement, which, you know, that leading up to the Final Four, he announced his retirement 30 years to the day was when he lost to Duke in the national championship. No, it was, no, it was a... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yes, 1991. Yeah, yeah. They, he was at Kansas and he lost to them. And uh, Grant Hill with the great alley oop catch, uh, Bobby Hurley threw that pass way up there. And if you notice, Grant Hill got all the way up to the top of the square and had to throw it down. 
with the the nice high top fade, the old school bowl cut high top fade, by the way. So you know that's that that's that's great memories to have there. Yeah, and of course we've got a who's the, Lucas? Who's Lucas Johnson? Said what up, Frank? Oh, Lucas, he yeah. actually uh, plays basketball and uh, baseball at Monroe High School. Also plays for uh, Detroit Crush uh, travel ball team in the summer mm-hmm. for baseball. Yeah. Look okay. at baseball player coming up through the ranks. So, what year is he? I believe Lucas was a freshman this past season. Okay, so did he play varsity for Monroe? No, he was on the freshman team. But okay. He was a, he was a nice he was a nice player. He's okay. good. He got he every time I saw him he he kept getting better. So right, good, good, Lucas, good. thanks for tuning in, my man. All right. So, anyways, kind of going back to this. Also, fun fact: this is the first time we've had all four Final Four teams that are from west of the Mississippi River. That is true. Also, Kentucky was undefeated and they lost to Wisconsin in yes, the final I four semifinals. That. So could this happen in the, the, the Zags? They lose in the, do they lose in the semifinal? By the way, Mark Few did get Naismith Coach of the Year, by the way, yesterday on, on Friday afternoon. Yeah, he got the he got Naismith Coach of the Year, and then I think there was another National Coach of the Year award that Juwan Howard got. Yeah, the AP, I believe. Yeah, the yeah, the AP. Yeah. I, yes. I mean I I guess some people are saying that that Mark Few should have gotten AP because he got Gonzaga to coach Gonzaga to an undefeated season, which rarely happens. But you know, I I do think Juwan Howard rightfully got AP Coach of the Year because yeah. look at what Michigan was last year. Well, Ninth pretty- place in the Big Ten. He goes off season. There's a lot of turnover. Brings in two transfers, and they end up winning the Big Ten, and they, they end up having a great year. That, Unfortunately, ends in a thud, which uh, I think I'll it really get, ended in a thud. Right? I'll get, I'll get we'll to get it. We'll get to that. Keep going. And of course, your uh, other semifinal, the the Lone Star Showdown between Houston and Baylor. Couple, couple old schools from the old Southwest Conference, I believe. Yes, you're right. It was the Baylor versus uh, uh, Houston? Houston, yes. Yeah. I mean that that I think is going to be that one I think is going to be entertaining to watch cuz you've got cuz Baylor likes to play up tempo, push the pace so they can score. They've got three guys you got to worry about. Houston they like to defend. They are a pain in the ass to keep off the glass and check out against. And this uh John Giroux guy is a probably the best Lockdown on ball defender I have seen since Russ Smith at Louisville. Mm. You know, he, I mean, him going against Davion Mitchell, get your popcorn ready for that. That's going to be theater. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Gonzaga's playing uh, UCLA, which I may, I may as well get into it. Go and ahead. Fade, go ahead, fade the music. You want me to fade? Oh, yeah, oh you, want, you want no music. Yeah. Okay, here we go. What you got? Uh, look. I'm going to preface this by saying because a lot of my, I've got a lot of friends who are University of Michigan fans. Now we know this, and, and I'm gonna, and, and way, I know a lot, and I know a lot. Hold of, on, hold on, and we know you're a Michigan State fan. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. And I know a lot of you are going to say, "Oh, Frank's being mean, old salty, uh, butthurt Uncle Sparty." No, I'm not. Because the, there's a lot of things that can be true here. I am not saying that your team is terrible. You had a good season. And given the fact that the previous year you were a ninth place team in the Big Ten, and and then you turn around, win the regular season title, get a one seed in the tournament. And okay, you had a good season. I'm not saying that your head coach is terrible. Never have I once said that he's a terrible coach. I have vouched on this show, check the tape. That Jawan Howard rightfully deserved Coach of the Year, not just in the Big Ten, but nationally as well. I think he has done a phenomenal job. And look, did I expect him to get this thing thing to where it is in year two? No, he's exceeded expectations, and I tip, and I will tip my hat to him for that and give him his due. However, what is also true is that on Tuesday night when you played UCLA. A team that I don't think is anywhere near as talented as you are. Well, yeah, because they're 11 seed. <laughs> I, well, talented. I, 
They I did also lose don't out. Th- they lost on a lot of kids too. The, the G League, and then a couple guys got injured before the season. Yeah, but you're right. And I also don't. And I also don't believe how he could play at your pace. You go in, and you basically can't even break fifty points. And I'm not saying gonna go. And I understand Mick Cronin's a defensive-minded coach. There's a lot of things about Mick Cronin I respect, and I agree with him on. One of those things is fouling went up three with about five seconds or less left Mm -hmm. because that's math. I know there's a lot of my coaching brethren who will disagree with me on this. And it's more of of a philosophy thing. Yeah, but that's another topic for another time. But this game... I'm not saying that it's solely on that them losing is solely on Jawan Howard. No, it's not. I'm not going to say it's solely on one player. Mm-hmm. As a team, you didn't play well. That's pretty much a, that's pretty much the best way I can put it to you. You didn't you didn't play well against a team that was nowhere near as talented or probably as well coached as you are. Well, well, stop. Stop. Mick Cronin is one hell I mean, of a coach. I mean, I, he's he at the is. high school ranks. His dad was a coach. I, I think this is a situation where this is getting overblown. This is where the coach gets too much credit and the coach gets too much blame. At the end of the day, I think on the court, on paper, Michigan should be more talented than UCLA. But UCLA got their stuff together. They got organized. I think their talent really rise to the top, and I think on the court that both of the teams were evenly matched. It was just the fact that, let's give credit where credit is due. Mick Cronin has come in there, and he's put in that Cincinnati mentality of the, the dog, gritty defense that he has, and basically it forced Michigan to miss a lot of shots down the stretch. Now, they were fatigued. Yes, they were, but that's what Mick Cronin's teams do. They, drag, they, run, they wind you down. So... The kids just didn't execute. They didn't make shots. It was a battle between two great teams. You can't blame Jawan Howard and say that that was bad coaching or he got out coached. I, I, I just, I just hate that. The I hate that. I mean, I'm not. I don't like doing that either. But here's what there is one. There is one thing where I do have to ask this question. You're down too late. Cody Riley, UCLA's best big man, has fouled out of the game. Mm-hmm. Why not go inside to Hunter Dickinson, who's got a clear advantage, go for a go for a tie, get it to overtime. Now but I think there's too many Is guys. Is that the who, play where they went with the pick and roll and Wagner shot the three? Probably because it was I think it was a because Mo not not sorry. Franz Wagner, Moses' big brother. Mm-hmm, Moses in the NBA. Yeah. Franz Wagner had a Atrocious day shooting. One for ten from the floor. Zero for four from three. Not surprising, considering they were in uh, Lucas Oil, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the big, the big, those big stadiums. You, you're going to get a, a, a bound to have a bad shooting night. Just, just what it is. Yeah, I think you've got in this situation. You've got to go with your hot hand. I mean, you got to you got to match up inside with Dickinson on whoever UCLA had replacing Cody Riley because Riley was their best. Rim protector, or and he could. I thought he held his own against Dickinson, but whoever else was out there, you gotta you gotta go for her something easy, tie the game, and then go to overtime. They're without their best big man. You've got an advantage, so you got to be able to exploit that to your own good. That's well, what, I think that's what they were trying to do. I mean, like I said. It, it, Let's 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 be honest. They were doing the pick and roll, and when they did the pick and roll, they doubled Dickerson. There was a mix up. There was a totally mix up where Franz just got wide open. I mean, that's something that you want. We, they went to a play where they said, "Look, we're gonna go to a pick and roll game. You got to pick your poison. Either you're gonna come up on Franz. Franz is gonna dump it off to Dickerson for the easy two, or you're gonna screw up and." Follow the roller, which is Dickinson, and leave Franz open. Franz just didn't hit the shot. I mean, I, I, I what else do you want them to do? I, I just, and I don't get it with these Twitter fans. Like, how would you have done se- better? Because it seems how would like, they have done better? It honestly seems like they're trying to play 
hero ball. That wasn't hero ball. They double teamed Dickinson. That was what they wanted out of the play. I mean, I mean, this is pretty simple. I mean, it's pretty simple pick and roll basketball. We already know that you're probably going to switch or you're going to play drop coverage or whatever. Franz Dickinson, probably your two best players on the team. Dickinson probably being the better player that night. You're going to have to pick your poison. If we come off the pick and roll and you come up and you hedge hard or you, I doubt it, you try to blitz because that'd be stupid. If you switch, we're getting it down to Dickinson. They did the pick and roll. UCLA technically screwed up and let Franz get in there for basically a great drive to the basket, but he decided to pull up for the three to win the game and he missed the shot. I mean, he just missed the shot. But the play that they picked was great. It, it it led to really something to be open, but Franz just didn't hit it. Yeah. I mean, you know Dickinson was going to get double teamed anyway. You could have ran some kind of flex action or whatever for him and maybe had a guard come over there and give him that flex cut so he can get it on the block. But they were going to they were going to double team him anyway. So, they were going to force someone else to win the game. And kind of in a sense, even though UCLA messed up, they forced someone else to try to win the game and it was Franz and he didn't hit the shot. And then also there was there was also a shot I think before that where they got away with a clear moving screen and missed as well. I, I, it, once again, dude, when you're in the heat of those games, we're watching it from TV and the analysis guys. We can slow down the replay and say this is a missing, you know, uh, 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 a moving screen. But in real time, referees aren't looking at that, dude. They're just looking at pace of play. If it's something that is really outrageous, they're going to call it. I mean, that's just the way it goes. You, you've been a referee. It's tough when it gets to those type of games. I mean, it's, referees are human. It's tough for the players. It's tough for the referees. You just got to go out and play basketball. That's all you have to do. At some point, I tell people this all the time. When it's two great teams battling, yeah, as a coach, can you manage the timeouts? You could. You're managing the substitutions. But usually after that, under that three-minute mark, you should be having your best players in the game anyway, unless it's foul, foul trouble foul situations but at that point it's mono and mono pound for pound the players have to pull out the execution that's what it has to be you can't be blaming exactly. the coach well, and, in no, and in no way am i blaming juan howard for this for lack of execution right. and of course the the shot that many people are saying was hero ball it well it wasn't the vodka shot my my mistake it was actually one that mike smith took now there are some that say, okay, Mike Smith should be able to take that shot because he's hit big shots before. Others say, hey, no. But again, that gets that that all comes down to her, her philosophy, I think. In this case, some are saying, like I said, get it to you want to get this to overtime. Um, don't try don't go for don't go Why for not? a kill shot right away. Why not just go for the wind? You're trying. The point of the is to, what is what is Herm Edwards said. You yes, I get you play to win the game, but I think that real, that more so applies to football, uh, it than basketball, to basketball, and who the, and it also depends on who. It also it depends on who your opponent has available on the floor. Like in this case, I mentioned UCLA's best big man out of the game. You had. A, Hey, I think you got to be able to take advantage. If this goes to overtime, I would have said Michigan probably wins this. We don't ninety nine times out of hundred. We don't. Know I'm that. just. I'm we just guessing. I don't. I don't play the guess game or the hypothetical because it could have went to a five minute embarrassment for Michigan because they could have been. They looked gassed. Their shorts. Their shots came up short in the final four minutes. They looked gassed because, like I said, Mint Cronin has that grinded out defense. He also wants to get it up and down the floor. UCLA. Let's just give credit where well, credit's he wasn't due. Get, I don't think he was getting it up and down the floor. If this was if this yeah, is a game where the score is like in the eighties or high seventies, uh, you can you can make that argument. But this is. This game was a rock fight, right? But he was still kind of he was still getting trying to get some easy shots in transition. If he couldn't, they ran a set. They they beat you up. They hit you with those screens. They were gonna they were they're gonna get they're gonna try to get easy buckets on. They've been doing it during the whole tournament against Alabama. It was an up and down game. I mean, I just want to think say that why don't we just give credit where credit is due? That UCLA played a hell of a game. And they executed. The better team executed at the end of the day. It's not blaming on what Michigan didn't do or what Jawan Howard didn't do. UCLA grounded them out. They tired them out. Basically, Michigan didn't have any answers at the end. That's it. 
UCLA, the better team won that night. Now, if you were going a series, like it was the pros, Michigan probably wins the series. They probably win 4-1 or 4-2. But guess what? The NCAA Madness, as they know, is, uh, the NCAA tournament doesn't happen. It's one day, and that day Michigan wasn't on their best game, and they lost. And, and UCLA really executed their game plan. Period. And I think that's really what Cronin does. Like, I'm going to come and walk the ball up the floor, play a slower pace, and just hope to God that you don't have your A game. No, I mean, now they were. Now, Grant, I think, I mean, I think, Grant, now, Grant, I think if Livers would have played for Michigan, it probably would have been a different story. I'm, I, I won't dispute that. I, I'm, I'm not surprised that. Michigan lost though because technically I thought they would have lost to LSU. They really grinded down, and pulled that out. I think that was a great win by Michigan. I, th- I think the great win against Florida State as well. I thought the length would try to bother them. It didn't. But this team with that grit with UCLA was what got them at the end. And I really think playing against LSU and Florida State back to back games. Well, I mean, obviously LSU was more from trying to get uh, to the Sweet 16 and then Florida to get to the Elite Eight. That kind of tired the team out, especially Florida. Florida plays good defense as well, and it, and it just would happen. And there's also this, and this is something that honestly is a sore spot for me. Free throw shooting in pressure situations. Michigan missed five free throws of the game. It goes back to what I said, how games are won and lost at the free throw line. And they even got gifted an opportunity. Johnny Juzang from UCLA, 91% free throw shooter, split. missed one, mm-hmm. and left the door open for him. You got to be able to take advantage of things like that. Well, and, but it doesn't come down to that. Everyone, this is the thing about it. Juzang was killing the whole game. I mean, what have we said on this show? You you can't. It's it's funny. I understand it's it's recent bias with a lot of people, but you can't have a microcosm of judging a game in the final two minutes of it and saying, "Well, you should have taken advantage of this. You should have because there's stuff that happened at way before that that should have probably been taken advantage of that wasn't that led to you losing in the game." And how and how many times have I said on this show in any deal, whether it's a, a game or even in life, you're gonna get breaks that go your way. But who's it up to to take advantage of those? It's on you. Right. I've said I have said that I will stand by that until the day I die. Hey, so. think about it. And it's something you learn on here. And it's kind of crazy because trainers teach people to do a lot of isolation moves. But if you really want to be a great basketball team, team, and win, you got to do a lot of off-ball movement old adage i know some people don't want to hear it you know it's not the cool thing to say but really you're killing and i'll bring this point up later when we talk about the women's game but it says here you know ucla went into it where they said they were going to force michigan to create in isolation situations you're going to get very little off the off the ball movement and the pace of the game we're going to slow it up a little bit for you we're going to I mean if we can get opportunities to get easy baskets we will but they're going to slow it up that's what they did they pretty much made it to where we're going to be in straight denial, and we're gonna see if you guys can score in isolation moves. That that that, that gets kind of tough trying to do all a lot of isolation moves throughout the game, and then you got dead tired, dead dead tired or dead legs, and you can't really make your shots. Oh, yeah. But I mean, in the end, this is. I'm just gonna call it what it is. This was a Bad loss for Michigan. This is ba- this is basically like mm. I'm I, I'm it's it's comparable. Why is it a bad to, loss? It's comparable to Michigan State's loss to Texas Tech of the Final Four. the ro- The road to the Final Four was there for you. Why is that a bad loss? And once you get to the Elite Eight and the Final Four, those are the top of the top teams. I don't see that as a bad loss. A bad loss is like Ohio State losing to Oral Roberts. That's a bad loss. Losing to teams in the Elite Eight and higher, or, or lower, or whatever you want to put it, those aren't really bad losses. If it's one of the last four in... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 
It does not matter. They were the last four in. They hit a they hit a skid. They came back around. They came in. They resumed. By the way, they beat your Michigan State team. By the way, but yeah. Let's let's know they won. They won that because Aaron Henry didn't check out on a missed free oh, throw. Well, that's, hey, this team is this UCLA team is playing really well. You can't say it's a bad loss because in, they ended up beating the number two team Alabama, and now they ended up beating the number one but team let, Michigan. So it doesn't really matter. They're right now in the tournament. They're playing very well. They're being they're being coached well. They bought in. They did hit a little bit of a skid. That kind of probably a adjusted their seating. I think this whole COVID situation has kind of misseated a lot of teams. And people have talked about that, where there's some teams that were higher than they're supposed to be and some teams that were lower than they were supposed to be. But this is a, this is a very solid UCLA team. And I don't really think it's a bad loss for Michigan. which is a bad night, but I don't think it was a bad loss. But let me ask you this. And there are people that are saying that Michigan is a blue blood in basketball. Nah. I think, I, now... I think they are on the road to becoming that. They're on. They're becoming the one of those. No, not at a blue blood. No. no, but I mean that. Look, that's that's all subjective. Yeah, it's, for one, let's 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 look at blue blood. When you're talking about blue bloods, you're talking about the Kentuckys. You're talking about the Dukes. Michigan only has one, one NCAA championship. That's it. One. But what, but now they did get to the Final Four in the seventies, I believe they did, um, and they have two that are vacated Final Four championships. But by the way, Steve Fisher should get a lot of credit from the Michigan fans because their most successful run as Michigan was all coached under Steve Fisher. They won a national championship under him, and then he got the two uh, championship games and came runner up. But let's uh, let me ask you this: if this was if this was Duke, if this was Kentucky, if this was Kansas, if this was Gonzaga, or if, it, or if the same thing happens to Gonzaga tonight. Well, UCLA is a blue blood. Or if this is, or if this is North Carolina, okay. and they lose in this fashion mm-hmm. to this type of UCLA team. I'm no, not talking losing to. Yeah. I'm not talking losing to the UCLA teams that had Russell Westbrook and Kevin Love that got to Final Fours that were way more talented, well, not, or coached yeah, by the Wizard of Westwood. Stop, stop, stop. First of all, that's not those guys were decent. If you want to start talking about UCLA teams, you're talking about Luell Cinder, okay. and Bill Walton, and, and and the Wizard himself with Coach Wood and even you could put in those uh, Pete Herrick teams of UCLA back in uh, um, 95 when they won you know with Tyus Edney and the, the O'Bannon brothers and Toby Bailey you know those those, those guys you know, they, you know they, they got rings you know Westbrook, Kevin Love, blip on the screen but here's the fact of the matter is UCLA's a blue blood but let's say if that was so now it changes because they're 11 seats and so now it doesn't count See, nobody's saying it doesn't count, but what are we? But what are do we say the same? Do we say that what I'm saying? If this was Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas, Gonzaga, I think you do. What? It's a bad loss. No, it's Lose not a bad. Lose to an 11 seat. No, no, Take no, no, the no, name no, off no, the jersey. No, 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 no. no. It, let's put it this way: Where was Kentucky? Look. Where I know that I know know that Duke and Kentucky didn't make it exactly. That's worse than losing to UCLA. It's a lot different when you you know you can't lose or win unless you're in the tournament. They didn't make it at all. So that's a total failure. But let's so to get to the at least the elite eight and a chance to play to be in the final four and lose. No, it's not a bad loss, especially to a UCLA team that's actually really hot and playing very well right now. It just, it just like I said, this is one of those situations where just give credit where credit is due to the team. It's not a bad loss in the Elite Eight. It's not. It's not a bad loss. That's just like a couple years ago. Was it a bad loss that Loyola Chicago was beating teams and they got to the Final Four? So those other teams had lost. Is that a bad loss? No. Yes. Why is it? Why? Because for one, if you're if you're one oh, so was it a bad loss when Kentucky lost to Wisconsin when they were undefeated? Yes. Why? Because you've got way more talent than they do. No. You're expected to go and get it done. You did. What do we say when the segment started? That's the reason why it's called March Madness. 
but it doesn't ex- but it doesn't excuse you from losing a game. Yeah, yeah, it does. Cause everybody no, it everybody takes an L in life. I you. get that you do. However, it's the way that it happens. If this is Derek, if this if this Michigan UCLA game was some um, high scoring track meet where everybody in there was hitting shots and Michigan just got outshot hot in the end, we're we're not having this conversation. Why not? Because you changing the narrative now. What no. happened was no, they didn't get outshot. They basically got out defense. They put the clamps on them. So that's a good team. I don't even, what difference does it make? You, the L is the L. Either you got outshot or they put the clamps on you on defense and you couldn't score for the last four minutes. At the end of the day, you're taking your L, you're getting on the bus, and you're going back to Ann Arbor. So why is it that now it seems like the narrative starts to change? You're just, you're just trying to change the, 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 the boundaries of this, this, this discussion. You got an L, which wasn't exactly. really a bad, which wasn't a bad L to a team that's already playing really well. You just shake the guy's hand, just like I've told you before. If you hit, if some guy hits a shot on you, and you got your hand in your face. You just shake their hands. This night, tonight, that night, Michigan, a lot of shots couldn't fall for them, and that's what it is. I mean, you could almost change the narrative and say, well, if Livers played, then Michigan would have won. I mean, come on. If if UCLA would have got their top three players, a guy that went to the G League who defected to the G League, and the two bigs that they lost at the beginning of the season. Would, would, they wouldn't even be an 11 seed. I mean, come on. Mick Cronin did a good job of getting this team together. They bought in. He's coached them very well. Yes, they're on a hot streak. I think they got their, their bearings together after playing more and more games in the tournament, and they came and they beat Michigan in a hard-fought battle game. Period. Ain't nobody to blame here. It was just teams going out and battling, and Michigan came up a little short. I mean, we're just looking for con- people on Twitter. Look for content. Just the the bitch. Just the bitch. It is what it is. There's been some great Duke teams that have lost. Was it a bad loss that Duke lost to Michigan State last year in the Elite Eight? That no. Why? Duke Duke was the favorite. They had Zion. They had R.J. Barrett. And Michigan State had Cassius Winston. And uh, what was it? Ward. And, and, and hardworking guys. That Xavier had, Tillman. And Xavier Tillman. But some of those guys had been there two or three years. They were supposed to beat the Phenoms. So is that a bad loss or what happened? Oh, Michigan State played really well that day. So we want to give credit where credit is due for them. But when UCLA plays very well, no, we ain't giving them credit. That's a bad loss for Michigan. Wait, come on. Come on, Frank. You can give credit to UCLA for playing, for winning the game. But you can also say that Michigan played poorly. Michigan did play poorly, but like I said, once it's the Elite Eight and up, they're there for a reason. I don't care if you're Cinderella or you're upset. You're playing either your best basketball or you're the best team out there. After the Elite Eight and beyond, it is what it is. That those are those are that was some great basketball to watch. Those were great basketball teams. Just say what it is. It just wasn't Michigan's night. It wasn't a bad loss because actually UCLA is a pretty if you if you really watch the game is actually a really fundamentally sound and pretty damn good team. Now they don't have the name, the household names. They don't really have the 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 the, the charming coach as far as Jawan Howard. But at the same time, and they have a point guard who looks like Bob Marley. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, you know, I understand they don't got that 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 swag that everybody was talking about. But at the end of the day, they're a damn good basketball team. They ended up just losing. Michigan, like I said, UCLA won that game. Came out with a great game plan. They went out. They executed it. They did the best that they can. They got some lucky bounces where you know Mike Smith's uh, three pointer rimmed out, and they won. That's what it is. Now, if Michigan would have went out there and laid an egg and got blown out and, and looked disinterested and looked like a team that, you know, uh, uh, Jawan Howard had lost the locker room, then I'd be like, I don't know if it's going to really work out. But it was pound for pound, mano y mano, and basically UCLA was able to execute a little bit more down the stretch. End of story. And looking ahead to their game against Gonzaga – Okay. This is probably where the run comes to an end. It could, but I wouldn't count them out. They play great defense. If you play great defense and rebound, eh, most of the time you're going to win the game. I mean, I, I mean, from a, I'll look at it from a betting standpoint too. I know okay. Gonzaga was minus fourteen on BetMGM. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'd touch. I'm not sure if I'm going to touch that one because. 
Buzz, I mean, there is part of me that believes that Gonzaga is going to try and boat race them. Okay. Um, and UCLA race. is probably going to have a hard time I'm getting over 70 or 65. So I think I could see I see Gonzaga winning that one by double digits. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm not I don't think it's going to be as ugly as when Villanova beat Oklahoma in the semifinals and I think it was 16 where they beat them by a damn near 40 points. Right. All right, so I think Gonzaga wins the second game. It's the first. The first game I think is really your most interesting game because mm-hmm. I mean I've said uh, you've got Baylor who can they can score a lot. Houston likes to is tough defensively, even though I think their coach is a dirt bag. Who? Kelvin Sampson. Look look up all the crap he's. Pulled. Well, we, we talked about this on the show. You know that how I feel. Now I will tell you this. I mean, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't like a lot of the stuff he's done in the past. But you know what? He's got, he's got some guys who can. He gets teams to win. But I will tell you this, and you might not believe me. Houston's <laughs> not really a very skilled basketball team. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dispute that, right that. I think they're very athletic. Yeah. Once again, they're very gritty. That's why that Syracuse Houston game was hard to watch. I think this Baylor Houston game is gonna be hard to watch. Well, I will say if you want if you want to lock for betting, I'm to take under the under 135 in this game. Hey, that that's that's basically your best option for betting is take the under. Right. And I think real. And really, I think your best seeing that Dejan Giroux, who I've said is the best on-ball lockdown defender since Russ Smith at Louisville, mm-hmm. he's gonna he, him on Davion Mitchell is gonna be theater. Mm-hmm. I I have no issue saying that. The problem is I'm not sure if Houston is able to um, stop the other big guns from Baylor, and that would be Jared Butler and. Matthew Mayer and uh, Macy Oteague. Mm. Hey, plus Baylor is also the best three-point shooting team in the country. Uh, give it for uh, Scott Drew, man, part of the Drew family. Oh yeah, I mean he really—he's been at Baylor for a while, and, he, and you know I would give a shout out to the the, the the Baylor administration. I mean, a lot of stuff has gone on at Baylor, but they stuck with them. Uh, at one point, they were in the, the the dumps for a while. That program was straight, you know, as you like to call it, hot garbage or hot diarrhea water and a and a dead fish or what is wow, it? Vomit stuff. Yeah, the, the, yeah. After the whole uh, vomit stuff, the, the stuff the pa- after cakes. the whole Patrick Dennehy murder and their coach Dave Bliss covered a lot of stuff up. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. Watch, watch the. If you're if it's still available on Showtime, watch Disgraced. Yeah, and and even with the the, the football team as well. I mean, the stuff that's hanging over Baylor, you know, <laughs> to get through all that and 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 build a program is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, Baylor. I've always kind of wondered when they would get to a Final Four. I think it was did Scott Drew go there in two thousand nine. I have to look that up. Because I, I, re- so. I remember 2010, they were in the Elite Eight against Duke. They had um, Epe Udo, who was a transfer from Michigan. Uh, Lace Darius Dunn was, I think, played the three or the four from And then uh, their point guard was this guy named Tweety Carter. <laughs> Tweety Carter, yeah. Uh, that's a long time ago. Wow. Yeah, 2010. I, re- I remember that. I remember- was it 2008, 2009 Baylor that went to the Final Four? Or was no. Was it 2009-10 Baylor? 2009-10 Baylor faced Duke in the Elite Eight, Eight. and lost. But in 2009 they got to the Final Four? No, 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 they didn't. Okay. I don't think they – I'm not sure they got there. Hmm. They even made the tournament. Uh, and then I think it was uh, 2012 they lost to the loaded Kentucky team. Mm-hmm. Team that had I'm trying to remember who I think Pierre Jackson was their point guard. Yes, he was. And I think uh, I'm trying to remember who else they had as well. I, well, I know I know I do remember. I mean, I'm not sure if you remember the name Isaiah Austin. He was mm-hmm. a with really, the eyes or the he had the condition. Yeah, where he, he could and he couldn't and he couldn't play. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember Isaiah Austin. You said and, that was 2012. Yeah. Uh, yeah, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And then of course there was. Uh, 
I think in later years you had Rico Gathers, who I believe got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, you did. Rico Gathers was on that team. He was and, a freshman at the time. And then uh, they one Gary, of my fa- they had Gary Franklin, Brady Heslip. Oh yeah, Brady Heslip, that really good shooter. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Austin was on the team. He was a freshman. Yeah. They had Torian Prince. Oh, yes, I was about to bring him up. He was a freshman. The, the memorable one-liner he had after they lost to Yale in the first round. Mm-hmm. That's the thought of like, they went up, put two hands on the ball, and came down with it. <laughs> Pierre Jackson was on that team. He was a senior. Yeah, he was their point guard. Yeah, he was a little guy, 5'10". Well, little guy for high-level basketball. Average height for regular humans. <laughs> yeah, Greg Saylor, wishing us both happy Easter. Yeah, it's happy Ro- Easter to Greg Saylor. Go Royals. Greg, okay. thank you. I know Blissfield Baseball will be mm-hmm. scheduled to start up this week as well. Mm-hmm. So, and then the next matchup. Uh, I, th- I mean, look, I'm saying Gonzaga wins by double digits. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're going to win by more. I w- I'll say... Probably not. I will. They won't. I don't think they win by more than twenty. Because when ga- when games start getting like that, Mark Few usually calls off the dogs and mm-hmm. is like, "Yeah, I'm gonna put my guys in. We're gonna win with dignity. We're not gonna run mm-hmm. it up." Right. So I think <laughs> can't win with dignity. Yeah, he's not gonna try get some guy who rides the bench to get a layup or something mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. right. I think the total in this one's 145. I'm really not sure where to go. I know the under has hit a lot in these tournament games, especially if they're playing in Lucas Oil because mm-hmm. the sight lines are kind of off. Yeah. But there's some that are saying, oh, you could take the over this one. I, just, I mean, I, I can't see that because you would have to – See Gonzaga try and put up, so you have to see them put up at least eighty, and then UCLA break sixty-five, which I don't really see happening. Right. So if you're looking to bet, go under. Right. Here in that one, for point spreads, I'd say the first game. It's, I'd say look to li- look to live bet Gonzaga UCLA if you mm-hmm. can. Let's say if UCLA jumps out to a 6-2 lead, look to live bet it, you could and bet Gonzaga and that spread there, mm-hmm. and then you might win something. Right. Houston and Baylor, I've heard some say it's Baylor or pass. Others say take the points with Houston because they'll probably keep it real close. Right. But I th- I'm saying my for sure thing is take the under in both. Right. Okay. Anything else? Well, is that it for the men? Or you that'll be it. That'll be it for the men. We got to talk about the um, women. women's final four that was last night, and I watched a. I actually watched a little bit of that South Carolina Stanford game. Wow, that was a game. Wow is right, and a lot of people just don't like women's basketball. I, I saw a guy he posted. He said this was a great game, and somebody had to post a, 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 a bad comment and say, "Oh, it's women's basketball." Like, okay. <sighs> I can't believe people stoop that low. Yeah, well, hey, it's the internet. And like I said, we'll have a segment when we talk about that a little bit later. So, okay. Yeah. We do have to give a shout out to Toledo's own Zaya Cook. She, I, I personally believe she was the reason South Carolina stayed in that game. Really? Yeah. Okay, explain. Well, because I, I mean, I'd lo- I was looking up at the TV and I'd see that she had damn near half their points. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like, and I'm thinking, and, and wow. This girl played in, in Toledo, Ohio, and she's only a sophomore. She's already all, she, I think she was first team all SEC. Mm-hmm. So I, I take it she's going to be a four year player. And nah, probably three. Or you, three. You can get out in three and go to the WNBA. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, right. I, I still th- I still think she's got. Huh, we're we're going to see a lot more out of her. Exactly. I've, I've been very I've been very impressed with her game. Hey, but I mean that was. Uh, South Carolina, they had, they had their chances to win, but two missed shots right at the end. I know, I know. You were telling me that one girl got fouled. It looked like for so the, I, I can't remember who. No, not Destiny Smith. Damn. For right. Baylor. No, 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 no. Oh, for, for South oh, that, Carolina. South Carolina. She got fouled on the. The putback was it? I didn't say that. I said oh. I said the Stanford player on the inbound got fouled. Oh, okay. And for when South Carolina got the steal, 
Oh, that but, oh that one. My bad. But at the at the end of the see, you, you can't. I see this once again. You you can't win at this. Either it goes. This is how it goes. And this is the argument. Why they call that? They shouldn't have called that. If the referee calls something, you can't win. If you don't say anything, where's the foul, ref? You need to call that. If you call it in the first quarter, you should call it in the fourth. They can't. You can't win. You you cannot win if you call something. You're you're wrong. If you don't call nothing, and you let the players play. You're wrong. Oh yes, been there before. I mean, there's there's other things that I think that really um, shot South Carolina in the foot. Um, not finishing, like for instance, when the girl went in for the layup, she faded away from the layup. She did a basically a euro step away from the layup and tried to shoot a fade away jump shot almost instead of really just going and attacking the girl and reading her and either going strong to the basket or dumping it off to somebody she took it did the you know the the fancy euro step and then the girl i mean everybody now knows everyone wants to euro step all the time and she euro stepped herself into a shot that was wide now south carolina had opportunities to get the putbacks and makes but my thing is this. Why not the girl go strong to the hole? If the girl lets up, you go up for a strong layup. If not, why not do a spin, take her all the way to the right block, spin, jump off two feet with your left hand and possibly make that layup? Yeah. Because she went in there and went with the Euro and ended up fading away from the basket to shoot a uh, – it was kind of like a shot almost. It was like a fade shot. And it, it came – it was so much of a fade shot at the side of the backboard. It was one of those shots where it wasn't like it was going to hit the backboard and hit the rim. It hit the backboard and hit the like the side of the rim. Oof. So that that's one problem. Another problem I kind of had with that game. Um, Zai was cooking. Do you know why Zai was cooking? <laughs> oh, I other than that she was feeling. That she was feeling it? That's about the only explanation I can give. Well, one, and I, I mentioned this earlier, she was there was the ball movement. Yeah. South Carolina's ball movement, they put her more to the off-guard position to get her points, and it was working flawlessly. She was coming off a lot of down screens, and she was pulling up for the, the jumper or curling and going for the layup or getting the ball and you know pull-up jump shots. I think toward the end of the game, as the game got tight, it went more to isolation. And I tell people this all the time. I learned that this year as a, as a basketball coach, you got to be very, very careful with isolation. And this is where the NBA game is a little bit different than the than the rest of the game. And those guys are so talented. Sometimes you just go to isolation. You can't stop them. But sometimes when you go to isolations too much, and you're going against once again elite teams because we're in the Final Four. You got elite coaching, and elite scouting. It's easy. It's guard. It's more guardable because now you know every move they were doing, and I think. Toward the end, you know, Zai did her best that she could do, but I kind of think when it went to more of an isolation sets, that stalled them out more, and it played more to to uh, Stanford's game style or play basically. And think about it: you went up by you only got two leads in the game early in the game, and then with 38 seconds to go, great play drawn up, I believe. But Stanford won because. Good ball movement. A shot was taken. They missed. The ball was tipped out. Girl grabbed a rebound. Dribbled maybe one or two dribbles. Pull-up jumper. Made it. Game over. And then people wanted to go one-on-one. Like, for instance, the thing that irritated me. And this is... Ugh. If someone's going to set you a ball screen, use the ball screen. I see it a lot in, in girls and women's basketball. They wanted to reject it. And uh, I can look up the point guard's name um, that rejected the screen. And then when she went to go basically to the basket, obviously she was cut off. And then she reverse pivoted and thought someone was going to be behind her. And she threw the pass. Well, why not be patient and use that screen and see whatever develops there? More time than not, if you rejecting the screen, it's gonna always going to be help right there. Now, they got their opportunity to try to win it, but great. But something that we brought up when we were off air was the kick ball yeah that was something that was something I noticed and I noticed it wasn't coming like and it well it didn't look like uh like a 
obviously it wasn't a blatant kicked ball, and I would say watching it in slow-mo, it definitely didn't look like it was kicked. It kind of looked more like the front of her foot got it and it changed direction, but still, letter of the law says that's a kicked ball. <sighs> okay, so me and you talked about this. <laughs> me and you talked about this. It Was it a kickball? By yes. rule, it should have been. Yes, it should have been. It was It was a kickball. You're right. Destiny Henderson was her name, the guard that refused to scream. But here's the problem. And this is where it came back to isolation, which I guess you would use it. Zai became predictable. You know, Zai does that one move where she's going to drive real hard, and then she's just going to stop, with a, which we like to call a punch dribble. Where she just aggressively punches the the ball down. It's kind of like what Jordan did to to Byron Russell. She does it all the time. She tries to get to the nail, punch, dribble, crossover, or as some people call it, drag crossover. And the Stanford defender knew it was coming. She knew she was going to drive hard to the basket, then it suddenly stop, and then pull that crossover. Now, Zai executed the move really well, and the player knew it. But the player also knew she was going to cross over. And that's where she stuck her foot out. Now, she she did it on purpose. I don't blame her because let's think about it. I stick my foot out here. I kick the ball. It goes out of bounds or they call a call. They have to go reset. I don't let Zai score. But instead, they didn't call anything. And they went in for a layup. Too predictable. And, and, and it was a lot of predictability where I, I was a little nervous. Same thing, you know, she's, when she goes left, she'll take two dribbles. And if she can't get to the basket, she's going back right. If you notice in the defenders, if you go back and watch the film, they're sitting on that right hand. And it was a couple times they almost got a couple steals on her, but she was talented enough to get around them, but it didn't go into anything. But the most thing that I saw, and, and they lost by one, but there was two layups. This is earlier in the game this isn't once again i don't look at the microcosm of the last two minutes of a game i look at the whole game two drives they're sitting on your right hand they're letting you go left did a good job setting it up to go right girl bit for the whole right gave you the whole left lane crossover great but you got to use that left hand and every time she still she did it in high school too as well she goes left and then she puts that ball right in her right hand and almost does like what the girl did, um, Bria Beal, where it's like a fadeaway. You're fading from the basket layup, but you're shooting with your right hand, and then it comes off weird off the basket. She missed two layups in a row like that, which, by the way, you make one of those layups, well, you get the one-point win. And that's stuff that I look at. Now, maybe because I'm a coach and I see that kind of stuff, but... Like I said, as fans, fans look at the microcosm, the end of the game, and all them foul calls and all that other BS. I look at stuff like that. What happened in the first first and three and a half quarters of the game that could have actually helped you, put you in a situation to win the game, then what happened in the last two minutes? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'll look at those things, too. Like, how many missed layups you had. I mean, one thing I forgot yeah. to mention about mm-hmm. Michigan-UCLA, Michigan yeah. had 10 missed layups. That's 20 points. Yeah. No, no excuse for missed layups. Exactly. And I mean, the, the missed free throws are just something that's a sore spot for me. Just Well, layups, free throws, and turnovers are usually about 80% of how you can win a game. Most of the time, teams can make free throws and make their layups and, and, can, and have ball control and have less turnovers than most teams. You're going to win. Yeah. It seems simple, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And then we had the upset with Arizona and UConn. I t- I, man, it told me I should have put some bets on the game you know that Stanford was a six-point favorite over South Carolina I was like I know I know Stanford's not going to win by more than six or more I know South Carolina can if they do lose well that's if they'll be losing less than six well that would you probably would have had to cross up into my state in order to do that because I don't think Ohio has online betting yet exactly but the thing about it is I thought to myself if I can man I got to do this because I could have won some money but could have won big money if I picked Arizona, they were a minus 13 and a half favorite or uh, underdog. What were they on the money line? Uh, I don't know. You have to look that up. Yeah. I... But it was, a, but it's an upset. Yeah, Nobody it thought, well, for one, 
Who picked Arizona to be in the championship game? <laughs> I know, I know, I didn't. And how many times do you see a Gino Oriyama coach team lose by double digits in the final four? True, but this I think is the fourth time in a row he's lost in the semifinals. Thirteen yeah. straight appearance with four times he's lost in that semifinal. Because I know, in I think it was was it nineteen that they lost to Notre Dame in the semis. Yes, and then eighteen they lost to South Carolina. Yeah, but they I believe or was it seventeen? I think I believe UConn has lost to the eventual national champion, I believe, though. Yeah, because in 19, they lost. I'm pretty sure. Or was it. I'm trying to remember when it was. They lost to Notre Dame. Or was it no- Notre Dame beat them on a last second shot? No, 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 because they lost in the semifinals the last four years. Yeah, yeah so I think it was. No- I think it was Notre Dame. And then it was Arike Agumbawale who hit the uh, game winner against Mississippi State. Yep. Yep. But I thought great games from women's basketball. I, I thought it was. Excellent to watch. I, um, UConn admitted that they kind of had a mentality that they kind of thought that they could just roll the ball out there and win the game. Oh, That's wow. why you got to respect every opponent, every opponent, no matter what the way they look like or what their record is. Respect every opponent. So is this a bad loss for UConn because they lost to Arizona, who could be in the championship game? Is this comparable to Michigan UCLA in your in your eyes? In some aspects, it is. I mean, probably the whole you weren't as mentally prepared, which, I mean, that's that's something you're, that you're, that Gino's going to have to live with for a long time. Well, you don't have to live with it. He's got chips on his fingers. I know, I know. He's got multiple championships, but, I mean, when you think about it, you're thinking, damn, we, we, weren't, we weren't prepared to win. We were not prepared to play well in this game. And it's... I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, Grant, I don't know if Gino is like uh, Tom Brady, where he asks what his favorite championship is, and the answer is the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't do that as a coach. You can't be saying, "Well, this was the favorite of mine," because uh, yeah. because players will be sitting up there like, "Wait a minute, what's going on here?" Yeah, yeah. My fa- my favorite championship is the next one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, kind of like kind of kind of like with. Uh, Dundee Wrestling, which shout out to them, they just won their 13th straight state championship, <clears throat> and the, their 13th state championship, their fourth straight. Mm-hmm. Hey, and they also had individual little championships. They last last year they had seven. This year, eight. And quick shout out to Stony Buell. He becomes only the third wrestler in Michigan high school history to win. Be a part of four straight team championships and win four straight individuals. Mm. That and he is ha- he is actually go- he is had a he's going to boiler up next year at Purdue. Nice. So, and also Casey Swiderski won his third straight individual title, as well as his third straight team title. So he could possibly join Stoney next year. He's going to be going to Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Eight and so. So, any predictions? So I on the women's game or men's both, and then we'll wrap this for up. the women. I mean, Arizona's a nice story, mm-hmm. but for some reason, I just got to go Stanford. The girls, yeah. You don't believe in Arizona, huh? Oh, I mean, I, I mean, they play. I mean, I'm saying they played well. They beat, they beat a monolith to get here, mm-hmm. but I mean, I. I haven't really done too much analysis into both teams. I'd say, hey, if you're going to ask me to pick one right here, right now, I'm going to go Stanford. Mm-hmm. Because I believe it was their coach won the women's coach of the year. For Stanford's coach. Yeah, for, yeah, Tara, yeah the Nashman. Yeah, Van, Tar, Van, Tar Vanderveer. Yeah. So, Seems like she, she's been at it for a long time. So think about this. Did Arizona's coach use middle finger after beating UConn? What? You didn't see this? <laughs> I, I did not. I. But I won't. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's 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 coming he up here. Flipped, he flipped Gino the bird. Not oh. Gino. They were they were after the game was over. And this is also on SB Nation. And everything like that. Um, uh, what happened was it, it looks like she was celebrating with the team. 
and there was some words said, and I guess it was words that, you know, shouldn't yeah. have been said. That rhymed with duck boo. Kind of like that. And they think she put the middle finger up. Oh, Lord. I, oh, I, so this is what. Oh, I can do this is what This head. is what kind of happened. Uh, this is what happened. Um, I, I'll read you the, the, the. Here it is. So she put. Um, I did not cuss out the NCA. I did say a cuss word. The cuss word is basically forget everybody. Oh, uh-huh, so she still used a word that more started ch- with F and ended in U C K. And more, I don't mean fire truck. More of a chosen word. Forget everybody if they don't believe in us because we believe in us. That is my team. I believe in them. I will run through a wall for them. I'm just so proud because they do whatever I ask. They believe that's all I can ask for of the team. That's all you can ask for as a coach. Um, they played hard for me, so I give it to give it all, give it my all. That's always at the end of the day, whether we won or lost. If we played the hardest, we do everything we control. Then I was going to be happy with the result. I can walk away with my head up. I'm just so proud of this team, which kind of applies to UCLA. Um. Here was the the disrespect, though. So, when they posted a Final Four promo, it didn't include Arizona. It had the other. It had it had obviously UConn. Yeah, I believe it had uh, South Carolina. Yeah, it had Stanford. <laughs> Don't tell me they put Arizona State on there. Arizona? Why, no, they didn't put Arizona okay. State. Okay, yeah, they did, they didn't put the wrong Arizona school. That would no. That would have that would have been uh, but somebody should a, be fired. But doing a Final Four promo, you're supposed to have all teams in it. They didn't have Arizona in the Final Four. So promo. they just only had three of them, basically. Yes. Uh, uh, somebody's ass is fired. I, I believe Texas, they thought Texas A&M was going to do it. Uh, and so they, that's what they did. Uh, don't start making your promos before the games are finished, people. Exactly. So that's what happened with uh, Adia Barr. Some people some people thought it was classless that she did it and whatever. So oh, it's like whatever. But, you know, you got to you got it seems like to me nowadays, guys, people don't want you to have any type of emotion. It's always somebody's fault. That's why I say Twitter is a place for nobodies to become somebodies. You always want your worthless nonsense and rhetoric to be heard. Uh, And people eat it up like yourself. The hot takes. Well, you got to remember her before you hit the send button. Is it something that you're going to be comfortable with living with? We'll talk about that a little bit later, but. Um, we we'll wrap this up and get into the power play, but but the thing about it is, is this: it just seems like with Twitter is just you, you can't you can't please anybody. You can't. You're, you're never you're never right. You're always wrong, <laughs> especially if you're trying to get into political arguments with people, which is exactly why oh, I, I stay out of nah, politics. No, nah, I don't. I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't do that either. I don't talk about politics. That's one thing I don't talk about. My grandmother told me never. Talk about politics or um, religion. <laughs> well, she taught you well. Mm, yeah. Anything else? Well, as we wrap this up, mm-hmm. do have to give a shout out to uh, Bedford's girls basketball team. Yeah. They are going to be in the state quarterfinal at West Bloomfield High School on Monday night against Wayne Memorial. Be a tough game. Oh yeah, Wayne. Wayne Memorial, I've heard, is really talented, and they're not a. Not as good as the team from, I don't know when, how long ago it was, that had like eight D1 athletes on it. Mm-hmm. But some of the other D1 teams in the quarterfinal on the girls' side, you got, the, there's actually two games at West Bloomfield. The first one is Detroit Renaissance against Macomb, Lance mm-hmm. Cruz, North. And then you've got Hudsonville and East Lansing at Calvin University's Van Nord Arena in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. Midland Dow and Heartland at Flushing. Okay. That should be a I think that'll be a decent game. That's in Division 1. Looking at Division 2. It's a little, hang on. Who we've got Detroit Country Day in Imlay City at Ortonville Brandon. That's a bit of a hike for Country Day. Mm. Nuevo against Wayland at Vicksburg. Escanaba in Portland at Houghton Lake. Parma Western and Ann Arbor Gabriel Richard at Chelsea. Uh, Josh Kubiak, the athletic director at 
Brooklyn Columbia Central. His daughter plays for Parma Western. So, oh, Coach Coobs, best of luck to Parma. Over in Division Three on the girls' side. Let's, let's wrap this up. Okay, I'm trying to get this as quick as I can. Colum- where Coobs is the athletic director, he's going to have a tough assignment because he's got to cheer for his daughter who plays for Parma. But his school was playing Grass Lake on Monday night at Ypsilanti Lincoln. Right. And in the D3 quarterfinals, also have Madison Heights Bishop Foley against Hemlock, Kent City and Schoolcraft, and Calumet against Glen Lake. Division 4, there is one more local team in there, and that would be team right down the road from me. Mm-hmm. Petersburg Summerfield is playing Waterford, Our Lady of the Lakes. Thanks at 6 o'clock at St. Clair Shores Lakeshore. Also have Bel Air and Saginaw Nouvelle at Lake City. Hey, Martin and Fowler at Kalamazoo Loy Norix. Carney Netto at and Rudyard at Naga at Nagani, and on the boys' side, here's the D1 quarterfinals. At Lincoln, you've got Ann Arbor here on River Rouge, which I think that one you get your popcorn ready for. Or De La Salle and Dakota at Detroit Renaissance, Grand Rapids Forest Hills Northern and East Lansing at Muskegon. I don't get why that's being played all the way out in Muskegon. And Grand Blank and Orchard Lake St. Mary's at Davison. We'll go down to Division Two. Yeah, that's enough. Okay, yeah, that's enough. We, we were talking about NCAA. Now yeah, we I just went had over to, to Michigan Bass. You're, you're yeah, because we're it's getting down to the end of the season. Well, it is, but that's not part of really the segment here. I will. I will say there is a D three quarterfinal between Hanover Horton and. Uh, Arbor Prep being played at Tecumseh High School, which is where I'm going to be umpiring baseball on Tuesday. So hopefully I can obtain a ticket to that game and go over and watch some basketball after I get done yeah, on, on the bases. Good old March Madness, though. Um, like I said, I don't really do predictions, but I think uh, Stanford-Arizona should be a, a pretty good game. And Pac-12 pack, pack, pack teams playing each other for a national championship is pretty good. On the men's side, I'm probably going to go with I could see a championship game of Houston and Gonzaga, but I, I, I still think maybe UCLA has a little bit more, little a little magic left. A little magic left. I think it's going to come to an end. I mean, Houston, I'm just I'm just really bullish on. I lo- I mean, because there's a lot, a lot of their players I, I I really like, even though I think Kelvin Sampson is kind of a dirt bag, right. but. Granted, this is the first time Houston's been in the Final Four since the five Slamajama years. Right, right. And Baylor, this is their first one in 70 years, I believe. 1950, yeah. So. It'll be interesting. It'll be good. But we'll take a quick commercial break. When we return, we'll have your power play. All right? Yep. Make sure you always check us out on 88.3 WHUTs. After further review on SoundCloud and on iTunes. We'll be back with Frank's Power Play.